Psalms chapter 3 tonight. Uh, this, this is, a, a, there's one word in Psalms chapter 3 I want to pull out and, and preach on that one word tonight. And I think it will help all of us. Uh, I don't know, do, y'all, do y'all's Bible have the heading? Of living, I, you know, if you don't, I, I, should, I encourage you to get one. Because it, it, it lets you know at what time in their life they were writing this psalm. What was going on in their life. And this is very important in David's life when he writes this psalm. Uh, he's, he's fleeing from Absalom, his son. And this was a very low point in David's life. And there are several things that I thought I would like to say before I get to the message tonight. And first up, we'll, we'll get there. But let me read Psalms chapter 3. Let's start verse number 1. Lord, how they are, are they increased that trouble me. Many that are rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help from him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up my head. I cry unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I lay me down and sleep. I awake, for the Lord, here's the word, sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me around about. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord. Just, Lord, just touch us, help us, strengthen us, Lord. Each and every one of us, Lord, we need to be uplifted. And Lord, just uh, feel the presence of God in our life tonight. Lord, let us leave tonight with rejoicing in our soul and rejoicing in our heart, knowing that you have sustained us, Father. And we'll give you the praise and we'll give you the glory and honor in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. He, the, the increase of trouble in David's life. You notice in verse 1 he said, uh, Lord, how they have increased that trouble me. If you go back to 2 Samuel, uh, you'll find that David's life was, was peace and quiet. He had tranquility. Uh, uh, everything in his good in his kingdom, nothing was wrong. In fact, up to this point, when Absalom does what he does, there's never been a major problem in David's life in his kingdom except what happened to Ammon and, and Tamar. And we all know what happened there. And Absalom kills him. But everything up to that time pretty much runs smooth in David's life. David said, how has this happened? Like it increased overnight. How has it they increased? They trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. It just happened like bam, there it was. This is how it's happening all of a sudden, Lord. Can I say this? That is the way that trouble happens in life. It happens to everybody like that in their life. At least it happens in mine. I don't know about you. I don't know if y'all have a special telegraphic way with the trouble and it just sends you an email say hey I'll be there on this day uh, I look out because I am coming uh, it's giving you warning it's giving you foresight uh, but in my life it seemed like trouble just go bam it's here and I'm, I'm like David how did this happen 
Everything was good yesterday. I got up yesterday feeling good. Uh, and all of a sudden, boom, today my health is gone. Uh, everything's coming against me. I feel like I'm fighting the 10,000 that surrounded me. David said, how in the world did this happen? The way it seems in my life, peace, tranquility, everything's good. And all of a sudden, Troubles at hand. Lord, where did it come from? Lord, I was not looking for this. I was not expecting this. Everything good today and tomorrow, everything gone to pieces. You understand what I'm talking about tonight. It really never seems like you see trouble coming on the horizon. It's like you went to bed one night and woke up the next day and asked, where did this come from? I laid my head down and everything in my life was good and I got out of bed and all of a sudden trouble is all about me. One day I was strong, the next day I was weak. I had my health and now I don't have my health. We see there's the irritation of his tormentors. The devil's not happy to just leave you alone when you got trouble. The devil doesn't seem to mess with those that are on the mountaintops. You're shouting and praising God. The devil seems to just leave you alone. Everything's good. The devil seems to just steps back. When you're walking with God, serving God, loving God, the devil takes a back seat. But all of a sudden, trouble comes and the devil gets in the car with you and wants to go riding. He starts putting stuff in your ear. He will lay in the bed next to you and start take, uh, talking into your ear while you're laying there. Verse 2 says, And many there will be which of my say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. David, God is through with you. When trouble increased, that's when I found the accuser comes calling. As soon as trouble shows up in your life, the devil will show up and start telling you things like, he told David, uh, there is no help for you in God. Uh, God is not going to help you anymore. Uh, David, because of what you've done with Bathsheba, uh, God is done with you all along. Uh, you're, you're all washed up. You're a, you're a has-been, David. There's no help for you from God now, David. He's helped you for the last time. Anybody ever told anybody that to you? Yes. You sit here on the mountaintop saying, that's dumb. But if you live through enough valleys like I have, you know what I'm saying. Here is a correct statement of the devil. You've heard stuff like this before. 
You've been in those dark hours when trouble has increased and had the devil come by and say, where is your God now? Where is your God at? Let's just be honest for a minute tonight. I know what it's like to have your world come screeching halt and trouble increase. And all of a sudden the devil uh, pops up early in the morning and the devil will say, Hey, preacher, preach me one of those grace messages. You've been preaching that God will give more grace in time of need. Go ahead and give me that now, preacher. The devil will jump on you with both feet saying there is no more help from you for God. God has abandoned you. God has forsaken you. God is done with you. You might as well give it up, preacher, and go home. That sounds kind of like some bleak stuff there, preacher. Yeah, it is. But I'm so glad it didn't end in verse 1 and 2. <laughs> I'm so glad it didn't end in verse 1 and 2. You say, where do you find that? Revelations. You find that. In verse number 3, 4, 5, and 6 is where uh, he says there's inspiration. There's inspiration. There's inspiration for the troubled and for the tormented. Uh, there's inspiration for the tried. Where is the inspiration? It's in verse number 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I, I love it when God butts in. But God. I mean, when I've got my head down, God comes along and takes his head, hands and put it up in your chin and said, oh, son, hold your head up. Keep your chin up. Verse 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of the holy hills. Verse 5, I laid me down and slept. I awake for the Lord. And here's the message. Sustain me. Preaching on that word sustain tonight. I, I want you to understand something about where David is at. He said this. I, I lay me down and sleep. David is not in the feather tick bed of his palace. He's not in the king's palace. He's not in his bedroom there. I, I laid down and slept. He's running from Absalom. He's not talking about... Uh, uh, He's walking into his stately bedroom and he's got his quilt with him. He's got my pillow laying down beside him and, and cold up and got warm. No, he's running from Absalom. He, he's barefooted and he's sleeping in the elements when David says this. He's on that cold, hard ground. He's on the elements. And he has some enemies. According to verse 6, his enemies are ten thousands of people that have set themselves totally around him. And he's sleeping on the ground. I, I like this. I, I, I really like this. I don't know if it seems weird to y'all, but it seems weird to me. 
He said, I lay me down and slept. I awake. Well, that's what you do. That's what you do. And that's weird to me. All kinds of people in the Bible laid down in the Bible and laid down and slept, but there's nowhere to record that they awake the next day. But why does David say that? I lay down and oh yeah, I woke up. David adds this PS into it. Because I believe that at this point in David's life, what he's facing, what he's going through, he wasn't going to make it through the night. He was not sure that when he laid his head down in the elements in the cold ground, he wasn't sure that he was going to be able to wake up the next day. He said, I'm increased by so many people around me, all my enemies around. I've got so many voices in my ear. I've got so much trouble going on. I'm not sure that I was going to wake up the next day. They could have slipped in, cut my throat, whatever they want to do. I, I'm not sure that I was going to wake up. And he said, David said, how in the world did I even lay down and sleep? How in the world did I even make it through what I was going through and wake up? Here is how he did it. Here is the inspiration that you and I need in our lives. We face the enemy that's on front of us, behind us, around us, that trouble that hits us all of a sudden. There's some inspiration with that word sustain. This is how he did it. He said, this is how I did it. I slept in the elements. I slept around the enemies and I woke up the next morning. How did he make it through the dark nights of his life? For the Lord sustained me. I love that word sustain. That word sustain means to support. It means to hold something up. It means to endure without giving away. It's just like this is just an illustration. It says, is doing what I'm doing. This pulpit is holding me. It's holding me up. It's enduring. And it's not giving away. And if it was to slide, I'd fall, in for, fall on the ground and y'all would laugh at me. But it, it's holding me. It's sustaining me. And that's what David says. There was somebody that was sustaining me, that was holding me, that was lifting me up, and that took care of me. I, I, I'm being supported by somebody. Somebody in my life that has not been given away. Now, I know there's a lot of people in our lives that we call friends and family, and they give way. They're just not there. But David says, I've got somebody in my life that's always going to be there. He sustained me. You say, preacher, how in the world did I, did I make it this far? You're preaching all about his troubles all about his tormentors and everything that has been said and everything that has been done. Preacher, how in the world did I make it this far? How in the world did I survive with all I've gone through? Can I say it ain't because of your strength? It's not because you're some awesome Christian. 
I'll tell you how you made it. This far through all the dark nights of your life, how you laid down and slept and how, you, how God got you up the next day because somebody was sustaining you. Somebody was supporting you. Somebody was holding you up. There was an unseen hand at work there that was doing for you in the dark that you could not do for yourself. There was somebody helping you, somebody supplying you, making a way for you. God walked off and left you is when you thought the devil had told the truth. When though there was no more help in God, we can look back in our lives and see the tracks of our lives and see where God had orchestrated everything in our life. You look in your past and see there was a God that was holding you up. There was a God that was sustaining you. There was a God that's helping you. There was a God that was directing you. Because somebody sustained you tonight. David said this, and he said, not only can I lay down and sleep and get up though the dark nights because he is sustaining me, he said, verse 6, I will not be afraid of the ten thousands of troubles, people that have set themselves against me and are around about me. He said, not only can I lay down and go to sleep knowing that someone is sustaining me, while I do so, while I lay down, I'm, I'm going to get up tomorrow and strap on my harness, strap on my sword, and I'm going to walk out there in the battlefield uh, knowing that in the, in the heat of the battle, knowing somebody is continually sustaining me. See, not only can you rest tonight that the Lord is sustaining you, but in the morning when you get up and those ten thousands of enemies that are surrounding you, trying to hurt you, trying to hinder you, you see, I, I ain't got many enemies. I thought we only had the devil and flesh and the world. Yeah, but those can, they can throw out an awful lot of little imps in, their way, in your way. Every time you put your feet on the floor, when you get out of bed in the morning, you walk into a battlefield. They're beset before you, they're behind you, they're on each side of you. Thousands of enemies that would have love to wreck your mind, love to wreck your home, love to wreck your marriage, love to wreck your testimony and hinder you. But you can get up and walk to your workplace. You can get up and serve God knowing that the same God that sustained you in the dark times will be the same God that will go before you and sustain you. You don't have to walk around worrying about what's going to happen, what's coming. There's a God that will sustain you tonight. This word sustain is a particular a blessing to several kinds of people. The word sustain is a wonderful word to many types 
And I find that I see all of us in every one of those. I see all of us in every one of those. You say, what are you talking about? I, I find the sustain is a blessing to the man in the court. It's a blessing to the man that's in the courtroom. How many of you watch those court shows and court movies? I am all about that. I love watching those things. I, in fact, I left the house watching jail in Texas. <laughs> When you, when you watch those shows, you know, they, they've got to do a court trial in, in an hour and a half or a 30-minute show or hour show uh, that usually takes two to two, three, four weeks. They've got to condense it down so it goes pretty fast, but you've got to understand, there, there are four major people that's in the courtroom. You have the prosecutor. You have the prosecutor. And not only do you have a prosecutor, you have the uh, defense attorney, the advocate. Then, then you have the one that's sitting on the bench, the judge. Then you have the one that's on trial, sitting there. And, and that same courtroom that we see on TV, that we've watched on TV, is the same courtroom that's being played out in the third heaven. You, you, have, you have the accuser. You have the advocate. You have the judge. And you got the one that's on trial. That's the same courtroom that's being played out in heaven. I, I love this about the courtroom. There is only one person in the courtroom that can use that word that I'm preaching on tonight. The prosecutor cannot say it. The advocate cannot can say it. There's only one man sitting in the courtroom that is able to say sustained. There's only one person. That's the judge. The prosecutor can't say it because it don't really mean nothing when you say it. The advocate can't say it because it doesn't really mean anything when you say it. It only means something when the judge says, I have the ability to overrule or sustain, holding something up, making to have validity. He's the only one that can do that. You ask, what has he God, what he's got to do with me and you? Well, that is a blessing. Why that is a blessing? Because when you read your Bible. You'll find that the three elements in court is in heaven, the accuser, the advocate, and the judge, and the three things tonight are in third heaven, and you are on trial tonight. Yes. You are on trial. How, how do you figure that I am on trial? You say, where do you find that? Revelation chapter 12, it says Satan was cast down, and he said that he was the accuser of the brethren. There is your prosecutor, the accuser. He's on the other side. Bible tells me in 1 John chapter 2, we have an advocate, which is Christ Jesus. That word advocate is, our, is where we get our word lawyer. He is our advocate. He's our lawyer. And the Father is a judge tonight. The Lord is a judge that sits on a throne. Do you know what's going on tonight? There is a prosecutor that hates you tonight. He's the accuser 
that hates you tonight. He comes before the bench. He's before the judge. He says, let me tell you about Jimmy. Let me tell you how sorry, wretched, ungodly he is. Uh, let me tell you this. He thinks he's a preacher. Lord, he ain't no preacher. Y'all, did you hear what he said to his wife last week? Uh, did you see him? Uh, uh, didn't witness to those people last week. He had a chance to witness, but he didn't do it. He's an ungodly, wretched sinner. He's no good. He needs to be deserved to be cast in the lake of fire right now. About that time, you hear somebody. I object. (laughs) Judge says, what is your basis for the objection? I got nail scars in my hands. I got nail scars in my feet. You look on the mercy seat, there's the blood. I object. And about that time, the father said, Sustain. I hold it up. I hold you. I'm lifting it up. It's been wiped away. The work's been done. You've been saved. You've been washed by the blood. You've been redeemed. You are set free. That word sustain is a blessing for those that's in the courtroom. Amen. You say, well, that's, that's kind of fun. I don't see that playing out in my life. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. The devil will tell you in a heartbeat that God don't love you no more. He accused the brethren. The devil will tell you, well, you know what they said about you the other night? That's what his job is. That's what he does. And you'll be amazed how many people he gets to and they start to believe in the devil and they don't give Jesus time enough to say, I object. Sustain. Though the accuser rules of ills that I have done, I know them well and 10,000 more. Jehovah, find none. Through the restless, fine foe of the accuser, sins recounting like a flood, every charge our God refuses. Christ has answered with his blood. I, I say glory. We have an advocate tonight. We have a judge that objects to the devil's accusations and sustains over our lives tonight. This word is a blessing to the men in the court. Also, this word is a blessing for the musicians calling. What are you talking about? It's vital. The word sustain is, is absolutely vital for any musicians in the house. We got them, right? It, it says that word sustain is vital to the musician. And what do you mean that? It sustains a note. It's not, it's not their own power that keeps them singing. I, I, a musician said, and I read his thing, he says, sustainability is the glue that keeps the music going. Y'all hear that? Y'all hear it? A 
I still hear it. I still hear it. It's, it's, it's going on and on. See how it is? That's what he's talking He's talking about the music. And then can I say this? The music hasn't died. The, the, song, the music is going on and on. Uh, that sustainability that keeps the chords going and going and going. It keeps it on. Listen, your song has never ended. Your song doesn't stop. You say, well, I'm facing this. I'm going through that. That should not keep you from singing the praises of God. Amen. You say, preacher, there are some here that's gone through disease, buried a loved one. They've been through some dark hours. They've been to hell and back. Yeah, just keep on singing. Just keep on singing. The song keeps ringing in their ears. What keeps them singing, I'm telling you, it ain't their own power that keeps them from singing. They're sustained in their life. And sometimes that is the glue that holds the music together. Someone is the glue that keeps the music going. Someone is the glue that keeps you singing when you don't feel like singing. Someone is the glue that when you get up in the morning and you start giving God the praise, you're singing the praise. And that glue is Jesus Christ. We've been through dark hours. We've been through some dark times. But never quit singing. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what you're going through, no matter what valley you're in, whatever the enemies are coming after you, just know that God is sustaining you. He's holding you together. He's holding you up. And He said, hey, just keep on singing. Luther... Bridgers was an evangelist. He was married and had three children. He was holding a meeting in the, out west. His wife and the kids went to visit her mother and father in Kentucky. And while visiting her mother and father, the house caught on fire. And Luther's husband, uh, wife, And three kids did not make it out. They called him and told him they had some bad news. Your wife and your children were killed in the fire. He wrote this. He stood in shattered silence. Holding the receiver as they telling him. He says it seems to him that the devil was laughing and making fun of him and saying, God doesn't love you anymore. Then he penned the words of this song. There within my heart is a melody. Jesus whispers sweet peace and love. Fear not, for I am thee. Peace be still. And all of life's ebbs flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. He kept singing even the darkest time of his life. The trials came on. He was a man that had sustained pedal pushed down in his life. 
even though it got tough and even though it got rough, he still kept on. Horatio Stafford lost two of his daughters that were traveling to England in a watery grave. When Horatio Stafford got to the place where his two daughters drowned in that watery grave, he looked over the balcony and said, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea's billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Joseph, Joseph Scritton was engaged to be married to the love of his life. And the day before they was getting married, she was bucked from a horse in, in a river and she drowned. And he was a poet. He penned this, what a friend we have in Jesus. All my sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Everybody knows Fanny Crosby, blind, until she crossed over to heaven. But she wrote the blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Micah Henson, the Henson family, laying on his dying bed from uh, 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 le leukemia. And he said, for he is really all that matters. When things are over, I've crossed deaf, cold water. We'll see more clearly, see that it really is. He is all that matters. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, you can keep on singing. You can keep on worshiping. You can keep on loving God. You can keep on serving God because he is sustaining you tonight. These guys, these people that wrote these songs, it had tragedy in their life, but yet it did not stop them. They kept on serving God. I, I find it the, today that it's so easy for us to just give up when something comes in our life, when some trial comes or when some tragedy comes. We want to just walk away from God. But no, these guys says, yeah, God is my sustainer. I'll stay with God. I'll walk with God. I'll serve God. I'm not going to walk away from God. Keep the music ringing. Even in their tragedy, they was inspired to keep on singing. It's a blessing for the man in the court. It's a blessing for the musician's calling. But it's also a blessing for the one that carries a massive burden. You don't have to turn to our Psalms 55. The word of, is a blessing to the massive carrier, burden carrier. Almost too big to carry themselves. Psalms 55, most people agree that it was written at the same time Psalms 3 was written. While he was out running from Absalom, because the text, if you read Psalms 55, it talks about those that were counselors with David, then they became his enemies. So they say this was probably written at the exact same time Psalms 3 was written. 55.22 says, Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain. He shall sustain thee. 
He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Say, preacher, David is carrying a burden and he's casting it upon the Lord. Where does he see God's sustaining power in his life? Where does, where does David see that? And David has gone through some rough times. David's in that valley. David's in that, that tragedy of his life. David's uh, uh, sleeping out on a cold ground and he's got enemies all around him. But yet David says, uh, the Lord sustains me. He says, I'm going to cast my burdens upon the Lord. Where, did, where does David see that? You will turn with me to 2 Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 15. Verse number 30. We're talking about sustained. And David went up by the ascent of the Mount Olive and wept as he went up. And had his head covered. He went barefooted. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head. And they went up weeping as they went up. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators which Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And it came to pass that when David was to the top of the mountain where he, what? Where he what? Where he what? He worshiped. That's kind of weird because I know a lot of Christians when they come to the church and they got burdens in their life, the last thing they want to do is worship God. Some Christians don't get their nap on Sunday afternoon. They come back Sunday night and they're mad. I know. They go from shouting, singing, and praising God, hooping and hollering, to sitting around. Hmm. They come to church like somebody shot their best dog, the wife, and the kids. There's no more joy, but yet it's like Sunday morning, everything's great. What can happen from Sunday morning to Sunday night to change your attitude about worshiping God? But yet they did. But David's taking his own vice. He said, I'm going to take my own advice and cast my burdens upon the Lord. And he does that by worshiping. He does it by worshiping. That's what worship does. It takes your cares and your burdens away from you. We, he's standing there and he's praising God. Lord, I, I want to give you all my burdens. I, I want to cast them all on you. But modern day Christianity took this to this. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Can I say worship ain't about you getting, getting, getting? Worship about you giving, giving, giving. Giving God the glory, giving God the praise. That's worship. And when you worship, it also takes those burdens. You ever get just, I mean, really get into worship and it seems like whatever is going on in your life just seems to take a back seat. 
No matter what burden or what trial you're going through, you get to church and you start praising God. You lift your hands up and God starts filling the church and the Spirit of God rests on everybody. You forget about your burdens. That's what worship does. Amen. And I don't understand why people can't worship when something's going on in their life. I don't understand it. But they do. There's something about worship that bestows your worries and cares on somebody else. And David's doing that. And where do you, you say, where did David get sustained at? I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> Chapter 16, verse number 1. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled upon them, 200 loaves of bread, and a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of summoned fruit, and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou of these? And Ziba said, The asses will be for the king's house, household to ride, the bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such they be faint, and the wilderness may drink. And David has rolled his burdens on the Lord. He's cast his burdens on the Lord. And what do you know? Coming up on the other side of the mountain. David has no idea what's coming up on the other side. David's coming up on this side. God's sustaining and supplying. He's coming up on the other side. David doesn't know that. David's got no idea. He's coming up this side. He's weeping. He's crying. But he gets to a spot and says, you know, I'm not going to let them rob me of my worship. I believe I'm just going to cast my burdens on the Lord. I'm going to worship God in spite of my trouble. Little does David know, while he was coming up on this side of the mountain, God put his substance, and God got his sustaining come on the other side of the mountain. And David ain't got no idea about it. God is doing something on that side of the mountain. And David is doing what he should be doing on this side of the mountain. Can I say, you can't get nothing from God if you're not doing what you're supposed to do on this side of the mountain. You can't get nothing from God. But when you start doing what you're supposed to do, you make sure that everything you're doing on your side of the mountain is what you're supposed to be doing because God has already made sure that His side of the mountain is being taken care of. You can mark it down. God always will do what is right on his side of the mountain if you just keep doing right on your side of the mountain. God is with the substances on his side. And when you finally gets to the top, <laughs> you, 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 God meets him head on. God says, look how I've sustained you. Look how I've sustained you. 
because you worshiped, because you didn't give up, because you, you kept the faith, and because you said, I, I, I'll cast my burdens on you, and, and you really don't feel like you feel like that it's time for you to just lay down and die, and you just don't want to do it no more. I don't want to get up and go to church anymore. I've got this problem going on. It seems I can't get past it. I can't carry it. What a massive burden that I'm carrying. But I'm telling you, while you're on that side of the mountain, just keep on praising God. Keep on worshiping God. Keep on serving God. And when you get to the top of the mountain, God is already there. He says, I've got to sustain him right here. Mm. Mm. I'm telling you right tonight, some of y'all needs to be sustained real good tonight. You need to get sustained tonight. Maybe you're carrying a burden tonight that's just too heavy for you. Just too heavy for you. You don't know which way to turn. Maybe you're like David. He's sleeping in the elements. They're after me. I've got ten thousands against me. They're in front of me. They're behind me. They're all around me. Maybe your enemies are the same way. They want to hinder you. They want to get you to quit. They want you out of the church. They don't want you reading the Bible. They don't want you praising God. I'm just telling you. Don't stop. Don't stop. Let the music keep on ringing. Let the singing keep on singing. Just keep on worshiping. When you don't feel like worshiping, just get up and worship. When you don't feel like praying, just get up and pray. If you don't feel like reading your Bible, just get up and read the Bible. Because on your side of the mountain, you're doing what you're supposed to do. God has already paired his side of the mountain. And when you get to the mountaintop, he... Can I say this? David didn't get up to the mountaintop on his own. Because he was worshiping and praising God, God gave him the ability, the strength to get to the top of the mountain. That's where his sustainability was at, at the top of the mountain. Amen. You can get on your side of the mountain, wall in your self-pity, and say, I, I can't do it no more. I can't do it no more. You'll never get to where God wants you at to give you your abilities on top of that mountain. So don't give up. Don't get tired. Don't quit. God's got something for you. God's got something for you. Amen.